Do you love Batman? Do you love Frasier? Do you love Seinfeld? Do you love Dr. Seuss? Do you love James Bond? Do you love Captain America? Oh, hell, do you just love everything that's nerd-related? I know I do. Well, you should come on over to a Nerds World podcast and listen to us, Justin and Andrew, talk everything that's nerd. Yeah, every two weeks, we delve into some random topic that we choose at the end of each episode, and we tell you the whole history of it, or as much as we feel the need to write down, our history of it, and our favorite things about it. So come on over to a Nerds World, wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone to pod and gore your one-stop shop for everything horror now here's your host justin and brandon take it away boys hello everybody and welcome to pod and gore your one-stop shop for all things horror my name is brandon my name is justin and welcome to the show hello hi how are you I'm super. Thanks for asking. All things considered, I couldn't be better, I must say. All right, we're going down a different road. Um, <laughs> I'm super. But the devil is in the movie, so it's not that far off. Right. And then I was, just, yep. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, tangent to start off the show, man. That's not the first time that the original, like the South Park movie has come up and talking about like the soundtrack from the show and all that, or from the movie and all that. Yeah, in quite a, a recent span of time. It's really weird. It's strange how that kind of stuff happens. Like, I remember uh-huh. it would have been 2018 when I discovered Body Snatchers for the first time. I went okay. and saw it in the theater with, oh, a, good for you. with our friend uh, Justin. And then it was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. There was okay. a, a snippet of it. And then that year's Treehouse of Horror was a spoof of Body Snatchers. <laughs> like, it was really awesome. strange. It's weird how things kind of work out like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, this episode is being recorded as of October 25th, mm-hmm. um, which, is a, which is appropriate, given that we are talking about the original Halloween... Uh, versus Rob Zombie's Halloween, which we will find out when we get into it, that Halloween um, was originally released on this date. Let's see if my math is correct. 42 years ago? Damn. Yeah, 42 years ago. I was like... This came, yeah. I was was about to date myself there for a minute. (laughs) This movie came about five years before I was born. But yeah. Jeez, you 42 are years <laughs> yeah i am i am i was talking to one of the guys that worked today i'm like how old are you he's like fuck man i'm 25 so oh, i'm getting i feel old jerk. i was like i was like get fucked <laughs> it's like i'm fo- i'm almost 40 he's like yeah but i'm on the wrong side of my 20s and i'm like i'll trade you spots any day <laughs> no. of the week i'll take most of my 20s back yeah please and thank you i'll be 33 um, in about a month that's right um so, uh, any fun Halloween plans for yourself? Uh, not As- yet. Um, I'm deciding what movies to watch. I've been uh, torturing my wife with some horror movies over the past week. And I actually nice. had her watch the first Halloween and the first Friday the 13th. For uh, the what first did you think? Uh, she laughed a couple times. Um, well, 
Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, definitely seemed to dig the music uh, for Halloween and John Carpenter's oh, theme, yeah. of course. Thought it was pretty dumb oh, a couple days later when I had to watch Halloween 2 that Lori was uh, Michael's sister. <laughs> so much older, too. <laughs> <laughs> that, too. She like Yeah. Um, and so... It's been a really busy weekend. Like I had a I had a thing going on yesterday and I was trying to uh, my normal procrastinating self. I True. ended up watching half of Halloween uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween yesterday morning and then when I got home from my socially distanced event, excuse me, I finished it. I convinced my wife to watch the second half of the of the movie with me mm-hmm. and then literally not even 10 minutes later my brother-in-law his girlfriend their one and seven year old come walking through the door into the living room i'm like well there goes that because <laughs> obviously <laughs> i mean if it was the original halloween yeah, i would have so left bad. it on it's not that bad it but um yeah and it was a second half so we're getting into the brutal um, stuff like yeah um it, it was the part where joe grizzly pulls into the truck stop and then mm-hmm. <laughs> like he gets out like i got a taco supreme talking back at me it's gonna be a bit <laughs> i'm like yeah we're gonna cut it we're gonna cut it here yeah um joe grizzly bitch <laughs> <laughs> i know my wife she comes in she's like hey uh has that part happened yet? And I'm like, no, uh, yeah, it just happened. She's like, oh, damn. So <laughs> like, that's my favorite. Part. She's like, that's my favorite part of the movie. And I'm like, do you want me to rewind it for you? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'll watch it again. Heck yeah. Because spoiler alert, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, yeah, I'd say so. It's a fun so, line. And then he gets beat the shit out of in the bathroom yeah, stall. I'll, I'll elaborate on it a little bit later. Sure. Um, but... Yeah, so really no plans for me. Um, I'm deciding on what I'm going to do for Halloween at work because we can wear a costume. Mm. And the two things that I wanted to be, I'm running out of time to procure costumes for. And I have a feeling it's going to fall back to the coveralls and then my Myers mask that I got from Matt over at um, House of Horror Productions. True. Um, Yeah. And I'm like... God damn it, because I really wanted to be Fat Thor for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, that seems and easy then, enough to do. Yeah, kind of, but I, I wanted it to be as close to the screen as I could. Like, sure. I want someone to be like, oh, hey, he's not just a fat guy. He's a Fat Thor. Well, if and you're willing to one, drop some serious bones, I don't know if it's released yet or not, but there is a Marvel Legends Stormbreaker for 150 bucks. Yeah, dude, no thanks. <laughs> um, as rad as that would be... I'd rather put that towards uh, a new mask. Sure, sure. To be honest with you, I'm, 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 I've been talking to my buddy Chris, and I kind of wanna, I wanna start saving up for, I think, a Halloween six mask. I don't Super know how ma- um, I just watched. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but Twenty Five Years of Terror, the yeah. Halloween documentary. Yeah, it came with. So I the the first box that I bought from that was the one where it had. The um, kind of the 3D, it almost looked like a shadow box cover where it had like the Myers mask and it only came with, it came with one, four, five, uh, I think maybe one, two, four, five. Mm, that makes sense. M- maybe just one, four, like it didn't have three, it didn't have H2O, it might have had H2O, I don't remember. But Fair I enough. bought that, but one of the things that it came with was 
um, the 25 Years of Terror. And I've seen that a couple times. It's a good documentary. Yeah, I, I just watched it today, and then I watched His Name is Jason, because I haven't bought uh, the Camp Crystal Lake Memories Blu-ray Oh, okay, yet. okay. But just, I don't I, know. I don't I think you. I would get any mask after one. Like, so yeah, many of them are well, so odd-looking, especially, like, I think well, it was five where it was super skinny. Well, yeah, and see, that, like, they that's my least favorite yeah, that um, one in H2O. Yeah, like and baby so face. <laughs> I kind of like think back because like it like it. I really didn't like the resurrection mask yeah. until like like say within the last five years, and then I look at I'm like okay, like it's 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 not as close, but it's close enough. Uh-huh. Um, well, I mean, to get us but, closer to topic, I actually really like the Tyler Main mask. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. The I like weathered I look I like of it. it. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um, before they blow half of it off and then be like, "Hey, here's his mask at Halloween too, where you can see half his face." But sure, it's neither here nor there. Or um, is it? Because we are here. Uh, we uh, and it is there. So this week we are talking about. Um, Halloween. It's another original versus remake, mm-hmm. and we're talking about um, John Carpenter's Halloween versus um, Rob Zombie's Halloween. And it's not so much a versus, but you know, we're we're gonna compare the two and mm-hmm. get uh, have some takes on it. Knowing Justin, there'll probably be some hot takes. Indeed. And then and then we're going to um, conclude with um, our director spotlight on the John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And I'll do my best not to get winded on him, man. There's so much information on him. Sure. Well, he's just done like, so I know much. That, yeah. Well, it's the same thing like what you're talking about when you did Carp, uh, when you did Craven. You're just like, fuck. I mean, all this is inf- like all this information's interesting. And like, how do we not have like a three hour podcast just talking about him yeah. <laughs> and it, his life accolades, all that stuff? So we're going to start off talking about the original mm-hmm. um i'm gonna spit off a few little facts about it and then we're gonna talk about our um top five talking points of the movie mm-hmm. um kind of wax back and forth on things we like maybe we didn't like whatever and then after that we'll dive into the remake and then go from there so the original um, Halloween was uh, written and di- it was directed by John Carpenter. Written uh, screenplay was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, uh, starring Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, P.J. Souls, Nancy Loomis, and Nick Castle's Shape. Mm-hmm. It was released forty-two years ago today That's on October twenty-fifth, nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, it's super awesome. Like I was taking my notes, I looked, I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> that day is today's um, day. <laughs> um, and it was uh, made on a budget of around uh, $300,000. So the hard thing about this, and it even was really hard with me on the remake, was looking at this and being like, how do I narrow it down to just five? Yeah. When I did what I did with Nightmare, and, you know, part of mine is ambiance and mood and... You know, it's not necessarily, well, yeah, my- oh, I love this scene. And especially with this one, it's tough. I mean, it's tough with Nightmare 2, but the second half of the 2007 is essentially this movie. Well, and that's the thing that I was like, I was watching it. And it, um, and I, I noticed that last night, too. I was like, my li- my wife's like, well, how much is left? I'm like, oh, like, we're like 55 minutes in. And then all of a sudden, like when it sh- when it starts out, 
like act it's almost like act two mm-hmm. where like all like it starts out with um Lori's mom and dad in the kitchen it's a it's it's a whole nother movie yeah it like it completely changes gears and we'll talk about that more when we get into the remake but, right so and that's how my lists are too man like on this one I have maybe one like actual movie scene yeah, and then I the do rest too. are more <laughs> and the rest are talking about everything else and it's actually the same thing with the remake except for maybe one and a half so um i'm going to start out with the top thing that i wrote and it's honestly it's the score like the intro to this movie yeah the intro to this movie the music the slow build-up of the pumpkin like all that just yeah and to tie into mine which is the music and the mood i mean it just sets this ambiance like, every time I hear, hear that tune, my fingers dance like I'm playing it. Like, I can't help myself anymore. You, and like yeah. I was saying earlier, even my wife was like, that's what makes this movie. Yeah, it's 100%. Because it was like what we talked about in Halloween, uh, one of our episodes. Good God, when did we cover it? We covered it. Halloween what? quite a while ago. Yeah, we covered Well, no, we covered it in July. We covered it July 22nd, 2019. So quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> quite a, uh, 15 months ago. But if you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it because we we do a much deeper dive on it than what we're doing now. Right. Um, and if you want some more Halloween but, fun, I covered Halloween 3 season of The Witch that October. That you did. For our blitz to whatever the hell we're calling this i forget yeah we'll figure out a name next (laughs) year we'll do some marketing we'll make it look super rad and all that so yeah halloween 3 season of the witch we covered a year and a week ago Mm -hmm. on october 14th 2019 so um what the fuck that i well i just lost what were what were you talking about i just completely uh lost my place yeah but then um it was something that we covered. I don't know. You let you let into something more. It's going to piss me off too. Um, I'm sure if it's it important gonna... enough, we'll figure it out. But I mean, yeah, it just it had, like I said, it, it was a deep dive. You know, I mean the the feeling that this movie has mm-hmm. is so different. I mean, like you say with the remake, it almost it essentially changes into a different movie when it starts to actually remake the original. Because mm-hmm. it is so different. Yeah. And to kind of lead into my second one, I the the shape, the killer, Michael Myers himself, is so much stealthier and creepier in the original. Yeah. Like, in the remake, he's scary because it's Tyler Mayne, Sabretooth from X-Men, <laughs> and he's freaking huge, and yes. I'd be scared of that guy just walking down the street. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that, because um, there's there's a part of that that ties into my list for the remake, right. but there's definitely this gigantic, looming, brooding effect that he brings to it because mm-hmm. of how... No, not right now. I'm not closing my eyes. I'm busy. Come here. Good God. But yeah, keep talking. I'm sorry. What do you got? You have cat shoes? Where did you get cat boots? My mom got them. Yeah. You want to come say hi again? Yeah. Okay. You want to say hi? Come here. 
right, say hi. 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 Oh, you're you're getting more excited every time. You know what we're talking about? What? We're talking about Michael Myers. Oh, that's our favorite, huh? Yeah, that's my favorite movie. Yeah, she li- <laughs> she likes to come. She's like, Dad, let's watch Halloween. Maisie, go back inside, okay? That's oh, it's old, honey. Go back inside. Is that Santa Claus? Yes. Uh, I don't know why Santa Claus is on a Coke can this early, but... Hmm. Bye! Bye! <laughs> yeah, I have a, like a mini Coke Zero can, like one of the eight-ounce ones. Uh-huh. Um, and... Shut the door! <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't know if she... Oh, man, she gets distracted. But there's... It is definitely two different type of Michaels, though, because, like... I feel like watching the original the other night, like, I, there's like three or four times. Awesome. I'll see it later. I love you. (laughs) So my daughter, off topic real quick. My, uh, my daughter stayed with my mom last night Mm -hmm. and they made cupcakes and I'll, I'll actually post this on the Facebook page, but she made me was their red velvet cupcakes. Nice. Um, in little, um blood drippy looking cupcake um mm. little um wraps whatever cups and uh white frosting with red sprinkles with little knives and axes in them and oh. she's like dad i made this one for you it has the most blood on it and i was like thank you <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. training her well um, uh, yeah my yeah, wife my made girl. a cake like that once and used those uh sugar knives and stuck them all around you- with red blood all over do you still have a picture of that by chance i'll look through my phone i might it might be on my old phone let me know if you have it and i'll post both of the pictures um but yeah so back into the the topic at hand now that my daughter threw me off the rails um yeah just it's two totally different types of michaels and the tyler main um version works so well for the remake yeah but like imagining, because, um, and honestly, um, the next thing that I have on my list, which we can lead into with this, is actually my number four. But I'll move it up because honestly, it doesn't really matter like order wise. Sure. Um, but what I had written down is with this movie that less is more, mm. and by that I mean you don't there like there's no blood. Very Except for the beginning, little if any. Except for the beginning, yeah, with um, with Judith. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's one of the but, the selling points I was saying to my wife to get her to kind of watch it because, you know, she isn't big on gore, and I was like, well, right. I mean, there's really no blood. That's one of the things that's very psycho esque. That there's really mm-hmm. no blood except for one scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's almost not even like it's horror. It's more like suspense. Yeah. It it does feel like an old school like psycho style where you don't you don't need all of that like I mean it'll have its uh, jump scares later but like yeah so yeah. much of this is the vibe and the music mm-hmm. and the tone and it's just <gasps> this that's what it was I just remembered and I did a fucking happy clap and I apologize <laughs> but I don't so the thing that I remembered and if you go back and listen to our Halloween episode. All the way back in July of last year, I don't remember what the number of the episode was. It was. I'm um, talking to you on my phone, so I can't look. 
no, I'm looking it up right now. It doesn't actually say by this, but yeah, it is. Um, it's towards the beginning. Yeah. Like I think it's like five, five to eight episodes in. It's so, got to be in our top ten or you know first they, ten. They sh- it is definitely in the top ten. So one of the executives was talking about this movie, and they watched it before they added the score, mm-hmm. and they're like, "This movie is horrible." Yeah, that's what like, I, on that twenty five years of terror, John Carpenter was saying. He showed it to somebody, and mm-hmm. he was and like, like, "Yeah, this, this is mo- movie's boring." Yeah, and like it, that's just the genius music making of Carpenter to yeah. come up with everything in it. And I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about how how much of the vibe is put through because of of his composing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's true of, I think, every classic great movie that just sticks with you. Star Wars, Jaws. I mean, they have... That's a really good point. Those scores that just make you go, oh my God. It's the first thing you think of. Even Friday the 13th, as dopey as they are, the first thing Mm -hmm. you think of is... Yeah. Which we need to dive into that. That should be your next one, because we need to start that franchise. All right. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> we just might do that, man. It's been long enough since you talked about it on your other show, so yeah. <laughs> we'll dive into it. That'll be my next pick. Spoiler alert. Yeah. After my uh, next pick, what... which I'll reveal at the end of the episode. Right. Yeah, so um, that was my number two. It's just the uh, the idea of how minimal everything was, but by it being that way, it was so much more impactful. Like It made everything else kind of just pop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, what what's your next thing on your list there? Uh, the cast. Okay. I mean, it's you know Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee in her first movie role. Yep. Shout out to Mike from the Facebook group who makes sure to let us know every time something Halloween Jamie Lee esque is posted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his his comment is always the same. He's like, yep. you didn't. He's like, didn't I tell? Uh, have I told you that I've had a crush on her since 1978? <laughs> Like, yes. yeah, Mike, we get it. <laughs> um, I don't blame you. Yeah. I, but, you know, I get it. I mean, yeah. they, everyone is just amazing. Even the supporting actors, characters, uh-huh. even though, you know, all they say is totally and speed kills jerk. Like, it's, there's something well, about the vibe of that cast that just it works. It works. Well, and see, that's the thing. As much as I rip on Nancy Loomis's uh, Amy, um, Aunt Amy, Annie, um, like, sure, the speed kills line <laughs> comes off kind of hokey. Um, but, but it, it was 78. Like, at the same time. But it was 1978. And then, the, like, the, <laughs> I was watching it the other night, and then I thought to myself, one of my favorite lines that she delivers in that movie is when she's standing by the hedge and then she's like, oh, Lori, scared another one away. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, that was a zinger, though. <laughs> but, like, the way she delivered that line was, like, it was flawless. Like, you can you can speed kills jerk all you want, but because of that right there, like, you sold that whole scene just by yeah. <laughs> saying, hey, he wants to talk to you. Oh, wait, bitch, you scared him off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, like, everything is just, it's real for the most part a little bit of it is a little hokey and 70s corny but right the dialogue which um so much of it was done by and her name is blanking on me 
Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill. Uh, I'm, I've been listening to a podcast talking about the behind the scenes and making of the first movie. And oh, speaking of which, we remember um, I just got my uh, my Taking Shape Two book from Amazon. Nice. Justin, you got it. You got to snag it. It's twenty two bucks. It's, yeah, I think I'm gonna put it on my birthday list. Yeah, it's talking about the lost sequels. That'd and be looking at it, that looking at the book here because I have it on my shelf next to my Myers masks, it's about twice as thick as the original Taking Shape. Oh well, there's that many lost sequels. I don't know, man. I haven't had any time to even. I've skimmed through it, and then I saw that it was talking about the lament configuration um, from hellraiser and i was like how is this in here i can't wait to find out <laughs> well i know on that again to bring up the documentary i just watched about an hour ago it's uh, when freddy vs jason came out they were thinking of doing a uh, michael myers vs pinhead that could be what it that that could be one of the lost sequels yeah that was I'm something that, that was brought, brought up, up. I don't know how I'd feel about that one. Well, and Carpenter was going to come back, and um, I'm curious to see how that. I'm going to have to read up on that yeah. because my dr- my dream um, my dream face off movie is Tyler Maine's um, Michael Myers versus um, uh, what the fuck is his name uh, remake Jason. Oh, um, uh, Derek Mears. Derek Mears. Yeah, I, I just watched see the, ti- that documentary. <laughs> I nice. finished it right before I got your text. Hell yeah. So yeah, Tyler Maines, Michael Myers versus Derek Mears, Jason. I yeah. think that the two of those, given how how different the remake Jason is compared to, even though there's a different iteration of Jason, like, I mean, each one changes, but like each Jason, like once you get past three, Mm-hmm. It gets so drastic in visual. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the only one so much... to do it more than once was Kane Hodder, who did it for like seven, eight, nine, and ten. The fucking legend. Yeah. yeah. Even though all of them did a really good job, like yeah, he was the one that stuck around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be my favorite. That'd be my my dream face off. A lot of people talk about, oh, I want to see Bruce Campbell's, you know ash versus whoever and mm-hmm. yeah don't get me wrong i'd love to see that and they did could a comic imagine, book about it which was freddy versus jason versus ash could you imagine the quip off between freddy and ash like mm-hmm. just <laughs> the back and forth it'd be hilarious yeah that would be great but i would just i'd love to see the, br- the the brutality that would come off between those two because mm-hmm. i feel like tyler mains is he's more hulkish in that one, yeah, and then um, even though Derek Mears's uh, Jason is also Hulkish, he's a lot faster. I feel agile, like he yeah. like obviously he runs in the movie. Like God, that would be such a badass fucking yeah. face off to watch those two big bastards just go. I- at I'd it. say they're the two most brutal versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I want to see it. I just want to see him fucking just beating the hell out of each other. <laughs> That'd be sweet. All right, what's your three? So I'm going to go back to my number two. So my favorite thing, and it's kind of a ripoff, but this really ties into what your number one was. 
and I wrote down the slow POV shots, like all the point of views that they did with with Michael, mm-hmm. uh, young and old, and then how just the score and how they built suspense through all that, like. Yeah, I mean, there's some shots that are a little though? dumb and don't make sense, like him looking at his hand with the knife and yeah, I, being in the backseat of the police car instead of the front. But um, what do you, when he's... Or I, don't, oh. the sec, I don't know if it's a police car, but the security car that he drives around the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he's looking and he's at the school and he's following the little kid, it's in the back yeah. seat and you can see the cage. That leads into the yeah, front seat. Yeah, I know that he's not back there. I think that's just, a, I don't think they, they didn't do, I don't think that's as much of a point of view shot yeah. as it is just trying to be crafty with like, I mean, it, I like. I didn't mind that scene, but. Well, that's what I, I, is so cool about it. I mean, they use, at the time, what was a fairly new piece of technology with the Steadicam and mm-hmm. it looks like someone is following them. Even when yeah. it's not necessarily supposed to be, the way it just sort mm-hmm. of glides looks like someone is watching these people do these things, which yeah. gives you that stalker feel that Myers has. Oh, for sure. That and I don't know what it was, but the, and I, I can only really remember one off the top of my head. But I know there's like a like two or three different things that I when I was watching this movie last night that stood out like. Holy shit, I've never noticed this before, and I should have wrote them down. The only one that really stood out to me was um, when the boys are bullying um, Tommy at the school, mm-hmm. and then Lonnie runs off and then runs in, into Myers, and then Myers kind of turns around and starts walking towards the other direction um, as if he's uh, following Tommy. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you you watch that scene Myers head is facing directly forward the entire time. Like he's not watching off to the left. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure that that really matters or is relevant because maybe they didn't expect to get like that little bit of uh, chin in the cat in the shot or whatnot to where they're like, Oh, he's watching him the whole time or he's not. But like, it was, it was just something that I noticed and it was weird. Hmm. Like, he's not even watching Tommy, but he is. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my that's my number three. It's just the use of the uh, of the POV. Yeah. Adding to the stock and all that. What's your number three? Uh, we already did my three. Was the cast. So if you can, oh. t- if you want to take your lead spot back, you can do your four now. All right, so my number four will be my number three. Okay. And the the thing that I like the most about this is the same thing that we kind of talked about Midsummer, even though we still haven't... Did we cover Midsummer? Not yeah, we yet. Did. Not yet? We keep talking about doing it Midsummer, and then we never do. Yeah, we keep talking about uh, pre... Pre... What, Maisie? Awesome. I'll see you when I come inside. Back inside. <laughs> Shut the door. I love you. <laughs> oh, God. She just shut her hand in the door. Oh. Are you okay? God damn it. Um, yeah, we keep talking about doing our pre-summer, mid-summer, our post, uh, post-summer, post mid-summer review, all that. I thought we covered it, but we didn't. No, so we just talked about it. The, 
it's kind of like in the line of that. So, so much of this movie takes place during the day. Yeah. And how much of his like lurking that he does during the day. And I like, even though I was kind of thinking about it last night and I'm like, okay, so nobody, I mean, it is Halloween day, so it's not as out of place, but like this dude is just straight up lurking in the daylight watching here, like wherever he's at, like, it's just watching her while she's in school, Mm -hmm. you know, stalking her through the hedge, driving around and just following them everywhere they go. Like it's, it's, it's just crazy. And I, I love the fact that it's in the daylight and like, it just shows you that even though he, or when he's outside Lori's window, like there's so much of that going on. Like, it's, I don't know, it's building It's more up, unsettling. Like, and it, it feels yeah, like a little he, more real world. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what an actual creepy stalker would do. And this leads into my number four, which is really strange that we keep doing this, but... I, hey, we're fucking synced up, my man. I am about it. I know. We need to start doing JT uh, covers. <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, what's up with it? The thing that I loved, and I... I appreciated it even more rewatching Halloween 2 for the first time in like 20 years is the fact mm-hmm. that in the first movie originally they're not brother and sister. Yeah. That this is just a random person and Michael Myers was, you know, driving around and he just zoned in on Lori and went you. Yeah. I don't know like why. Luck of the draw. But you are the one that I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you that's just won creepy. The fucked lottery. Yeah, the, <laughs> it really is. It's the thing. Like I, I appreciate what Rob Zombie did, and we'll get into that in a second. But it's, I think, the thing that I love so much about the newest one that came out two years ago or so, which is the next one I oh. want to cover. Yeah, twenty eighteen. That they just say no, they're not brother and sister. It was just this random thing. It, it mm-hmm. makes it so much scarier. It's like, again, in the, the new one, when he's going house to house, just prowling the neighborhood, you know, slipping into yeah. some random house, killing someone, slipping out and killing someone else in a different house. It's scarier mm-hmm. because it feels like it could happen. Yeah. As opposed to yep. later on when it's like, well, I'm not a strode. He's not going to attack me. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. So you're number five. My number five, sorry, I don't know why I have a fucking stuffed animal under my foot here. Thanks, dog. My number five is actually my favorite scene in the movie. And this is hard to pick because I, I love this movie so much. And I think that it's it's just... In, God damn it. All right, so I'm going to do a half and half because the more I think about it, the more I start to think of a, of a scene that rivals it as my favorite. So say my fifth is a favorite scene too. So we'll see if it uh, marries up <laughs> as creepily as everything else has. Nice. So my number five is uh, my favorite scene in the movie. And it's the closet scene with Lori and Michael breaking in and, you know, getting poked in the eye with the mm. fucking, with that dude. Like just that whole, I don't know why, but. Just him coming through, fucking how scary that would be. You're trying to hide from this guy, and he comes busting through. Just, whew. Yeah. 
Well, and at yeah, the time, because, my... I mean, this was the first slasher movie, really. And so, well, like, my wife was, was watching ones, it going, why are you going into the one. closet, you idiot? But it's like, the, the trope of hiding and the person, you know, looking in the closet wasn't a thing then. Mm -hmm. No. So you would think, okay, I'm just going to run and hide and this door closes and if I'm quiet enough, maybe he won't think I'm here. Right. It's pretty freaking scary. Yeah. And um, just, you get such a... A clean close-up shot of the mask. It's like mm -hmm. one of the times where you can kind of just get a real good look at it. It's not really shadowed out. Yeah, he's not far away and behind a bush or in the dark. And so um, I will cut that short and then I will say that my second favorite scene in the movie, maybe favorite scene 1B would be when he kills um, Linda's boyfriend and then stabs him to the wall. That's and my just favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> Bob. Where he just stands there and looks at him and then kind of does the head tilt and take us into why it's your favorite scene. I, it's the head tilt, and it's something yeah. <laughs> random that Carpenter just told Nick Castle to do. and he uh, right. Castle didn't even realize why he was doing it, but just... And I don't even know why, because in you, if you think about it, it doesn't really track with the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because everything else... Like, he chokes a lot of people in this movie. I always forget how many people he just chokes out. Right. But, yeah, he does. He just... He, yeah. well, He's known the for the too, kitchen like, knife, but he likes to, to choke. But it... Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about him just looking at what he's just done and uh, admiring it in his way. That is really yeah. unsettling. Uh, you just reminded me of another of uh, another thing that stood out to me while watching this movie, and it was when he's choking out Annie in the car. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that it makes that weird little Ding! whenever he like cuts or stabs or you know slices somebody. Mm -hmm. And we had heard that when he killed it, but like it was the actual him pulling out the knife, and then it almost looks like he cuts her throat on the side of hmm. it like not even not even like ear to ear style but like ear to back of the head <laughs> like huh. it just looked weird but i actually saw him pull the knife out and do it like it was quick it just you know huh. done um that yeah that was a pretty i i just noticed the last time i was like oh there's the knife in his hand oh, okay like how did i not notice that on my 65 inch but i could see it on my 50 like don't make it yeah i don't get it doing a little um, flex there <laughs> Not at all, man. Like, honestly, like... <laughs> on on my wall-mounted 75-inch plasma TV. <laughs> yeah, what year is this? We don't... Plasma? I don't know. No, I don't know what uh, no, technology honestly, is anymore. I, between those two 50s, I think I spent oh, less than $600, less than $700 for two. That's not bad. Like, that's not a flex. Not at all. That's, like, I have, like, low-end... <laughs> <laughs> low and cheap like the tv in my garage is like 180 dollars, man like it was i sold it might have been a little bit more than that but i sold a tv that i bought fucking 10 years ago for half of what i paid for this thing so fair enough it's all about it's all about um it's all about recycling like yeah. even my tv that i bought in the living room it's just a toshiba fire stick tv i bought it i sold a tv that i bought like six years ago five years ago whatever 
I sold I sold that for half of the price of that one. So yeah, man, there's no flex here. I'm I'm a humble champion. Say my my Sanyo in my office is the same one I had in my apartment like eight years ago. So yeah, I, and the funny thing is, man, is that that um, 47 inch Toshiba that I sold for a hundred dollars to buy this TV. I'm kind of sad because I miss that TV, dude. I had that TV for a long time. And that the screen on that TV was better than some of the like the pictures that I've seen on TVs that like are supposedly better. I'm like, get out, Maisie, back inside the house. Well, here, I'll plug it in. All right, so uh, talk for just a second, Justin. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess I can uh, lead us into the 07, even though you have the factoids on it. Um, uh, which one? The 07. The 07. Oh, no, we're good, man. Um, I can, I'll, I'll start it off. I, uh, I just had to switch battery cords on... Um, tablets here i had mm. my nephews charging i had to plug, plug in my daughters so mm. we'll go ahead and dive into the 2007 remake by rob zombie written and directed by rob zombie starring mark uh, markham malcolm mcdowell sherry moon zombie of course, of course. <laughs> scout taylor compton brad duraf who strangely looks like my dad mm. daniel uh, danielle harris uh halloween legend yep. played little jamie lloyd in four and five um and then was replaced for six which is yeah. weird um said she didn't William like the Force. script for six. Oh, uh, which is uh, like uh, not to get too far off topic but i actually have an autograph picture of the of the uh lady who replaced her i have an autograph picture of her that i got in my band box oh, nice. um william forsyth as the douchebag ronnie <laughs> <laughs> i think it's ronnie or randy ronnie i think ronnie. um dag fark as young Michael and Tyler Maine as adult Michael. And yes, I did watch some YouTube videos, so I didn't butcher Dag's name. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, uh, Fark, Fark, Fark. Um, yeah, so as young Michael and Tyler Maine as the adult Michael. Mm -hmm. It was released on, I'm going to double check, um, August 31st. Yeah, August 31st, which is weird because, like, here we are waiting for Halloweens that have to be released in October. Yeah. Like, instead, like, movie theaters are starting to open back up now. Like, my boss at work was like, hey, man, I bought tickets for the wrong day. Do you want to go to the Orion and watch Beetlejuice at 545? I'm like, well, yeah, but let <laughs> me call my wife. Um, <laughs> but, like, now we have to wait a full year just to see Halloween Kills, and I'm like, please. <laughs> have it in april um, we can get scared in april too yeah yeah i could do that um and then it was made on a budget of 15 million wow so yeah which is a lot of money so um my number one on this list and it's almost nothing to do with the movie itself but it's the one thing that i love rob zombie for the most his realistic it's, it's dialogue <laughs> no no that that's that's so over the top um is his soundtracks mm. the soundtracks to his movies always classic 70s 60s whatever just you know i'm trying to remember like had fucking love hurts i think by nazareth like just a bunch of these classic 
old Rocky songs that you're like, okay, you had fucking Rush by Tom Sawyer, or Tom Sawyer by Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, that bump, bump, bump. Like, it makes me think of Dazed and Confused, but, like, the fucking soundtracks were all Rob Zombies. Like, he just, he puts the best fucking songs in these movies. Well, given and, his background, I would hope so. Well, yeah, given the fact that he does um, make music, which I am, I just found out, I saw um, on Facebook that he has a new song coming out, I think, in a week, less than a week. Like, hmm. he's got new music coming out. I didn't even know he was still, like, he was still doing it, but um, earlier, so this was on the 23rd, two days ago, so he, I guess he has a new song dropping in five days. Nice from recording date hmm. and like like i i'm a fan of a lot a lot of songs that he did like i've learned how to play several of them on my guitar like super beast and um feel so numb stuff like that like not super hard like i'm not out here learning john five stuff but yeah. <laughs> like um yeah so he's actually got some new music uh, new music coming out but goddamn, his uh, the soundtracks. That's that's my number one. What uh, what's yours? Uh, mine is the idea that the backstory for Michael is revealed, and that the the kid that is Michael seems more like someone who would become Michael. Yeah, I wasn't super stoked. Like, okay, so I'm not gonna lie. Like the whole opening scene. I don't really care for it. Like it, it literally the dining it does room table pic- scene. Y- yeah, like it yeah, paints you bitch a about picture. that like once a week. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. It's just true. It, yeah, it paints the picture, but it's so over the top. Yeah, but maybe that's just because like I like I never had to experience anything like that. So like, I didn't know, either. I mean, I knew a family that was kind of like that, just not as gross. <laughs> But they were definitely, you know, telling each other off and cursing at each other and shit. But I don't know. It was just when I watched, even watching the original earlier this week, seeing that little innocent toe-headed kid in his clown costume, I was like, this doesn't seem right. And part of that Mm -hmm. is a little bit scarier, I guess, because he seems like just your average normal kid. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It just... He, he personified all of the traits that Loomis says he did. Yeah, like, you know, to, like, they, there was a lot of, um, you know, torturing of animals, you mm-hmm. know, early The classic serial what, killer tropes. Yeah. Um, and not to, not to, like, rip too much into this, but, like... I mean, obviously, they didn't really do a whole lot for Judith Myers mm-hmm. in the original, given how much of like a role that that you know plays in the movies. Like, there's always the headstone. Yeah. Even though, like in the original, she had like two minutes of screen time, and they did a lot more with her in the remake. Mm-hmm. But like, I given the you know the family dynamic, like I get it, but. I don't know. I'm, I wasn't as as big on remake Judith as much as I'm. I was the original, even though they didn't well, really like I was gonna say. I mean, there's no not really a lot of time to hate original Judith. All you see her do is well, yeah, make out with her boyfriend and then topless get stabbed right. to death. 
Right. But even that, like, I don't know. I, and I honestly, it, it could just be the way that she was written. Because it's the same thing about, like, Lori um, in the kitchen when she, you know, she finger blasts the, the bagel. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing as Judith, you know, stroking off the, the vase or whatever's on the table. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a very I, Rob I Zombie that, thing to do. Yeah, over-sexualize and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's just what it is. Because, like, even still, even though original Judith did, you know, she was killed naked because she had just got done, you know, doing it with her boyfriend as brief as, as that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was but, high school. Yeah, but that's all. That's the whole thing of the the less is more. That like you you get it. You don't need it in your face to understand that this is what's going on. Or, sure. but yeah. Um, so my number two, and it it happens often, but not super. I wrote down the subtle, quick stalking shot. So like, it I know it happens twice for sure, and it's in the same spot. It's uh, in the upstairs of the Myers house when. It was Judith's boyfriend walking downstairs to make a sandwich, and um, it's just a quick shot of Michael standing down the hallway in an opposite, like, mm-hmm. right there, and it makes that that, that crazy noise that I, I, I can't imitate. And then again, later on, when, um, I don't remember who it was that was walking by upstairs, but then it showed adult Michael standing there, and it's just... I, I love those two shots. <laughs> it's so cool because it just shows he's just he's just always there lurking, yeah. sneaking somewhere. It gives you the classic stalker his... vibe that he has, even though he's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, yeah, I'll save it. Uh, okay. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is seeing him grow up in prison. Mm. I, again, I mean, I it kind of ties into one, and it also ties into my three, but. You know, just kind of seeing the fact that he, I mean, in the original, he kills like, what, five people max? Well, in the original, he kills Judith. The guy he gets the jumpsuit from. Yeah. Bob, Annie. Um, The mechanic, the Bob, Annie, Paul. Paul. No, he doesn't kill Paul, does he? He He does in the remake. So, yeah, he... Yeah, he does. He hang. The only survivor, other than the kids, is Lori. Right. So he kills. Yeah, he does kill Judith. He does kill the mechanic. He kills Annie. He kills Linda. He hangs up Paul, or whatever his name is. That was um, Bob. Bob. He hangs up Bob. How does he kill Paul? Maybe he doesn't. He killed Annie in the car. Maybe he doesn't. So that's what four. Even though they don't, I don't think in the remake they attribute the mechanic to his list of kills because he's never actually found. Well, the the person he gets the suit from is uh, Grizzly. Well, yeah, that's in the original or in the remake. I was thinking yeah. in the original. He kills so much more in the remake. Yeah. Um. But I mean, just seeing even as a kid, like when he's in the room alone with the nurse. Uh-huh. And, you know, Loomis and the mom go out, you know, he's walking her out, and he's left alone with the nurse, and he just flips out and kills her. And then well, yeah, because the nurse was talking shit. Well, yeah, but still, it's... <laughs> not saying that warrants death. But, no, but, but I mean, just kind of seeing the progression, and as, you know, off and on 
quality-wise as Sherry Moon's acting is, seeing her degrade and, mm-hmm. you know, break down given the situation of her family and, you know, killing Trejo when he escapes. And it's like, God, there's that, a progression so sad. there. That's the saddest part of the movie. Dude's like, I was good to you, Mikey. I, know. I was good to you. And I'm like, don't do it, man. <laughs> God damn. Well, he seems um, much more like a monster. Like Loomis yeah. portrays him. Like, uh, Donald Pleasance is incredible, but, you know, there, like I said, there's kind of a disconnect in what he says Michael is in the original as opposed to what he says he is in the remake, because you see it. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the one thing that I will give, because even though it's like, a, you know, two different movies watching this, like, it, it does add a little bit more. But see, that's also another thing that, I'm not like I I like it, but I don't at the same time because it's the same reason why I don't like number two mm-hmm. as much is because they give Michael a motive, yeah. They give him a reason for why he's doing it, and it ju- it just takes something away from yeah, the fact that it's the Wolverine problem. Like the mystery is part of the intrigue, and as soon as you open that door, it's like because your mind can fill in the blanks, and they can often be more mm-hmm. interesting than the whatever truth they end up coming up with 100 percent. so you're Um, number three yep my number three that i wrote down is michael's brutality um i just i like i am a big fan of how i mean it's the one thing that rob zombie does over the top that i i'm about Mm -hmm. like i like when he he just he like Nobody dies nice with him. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's it's the the fucking maintenance guy getting his head smashed against the wall, or it's the the orderlies or whatever at the hospital that are just brutalized in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Like there is no nice death. Yeah, and it's like I'm he, nobody's choked out. Like everybody is just it, they're just mauled. Mm-hmm. And that it it's a it's a love and it's a hate thing because it's like you know original Myers is my favorite of obviously and I like the sneaky stealthy you know yeah. take you out in the shadows kind of thing but there's just something about seeing what Myers can do when he's not hiding behind bushes and he's you know ripping your face off or you know crushing your head with his bare hands like seeing how big he is like it makes sense that you know the superhuman strength would be there like you don't picture nick castle popping somebody's head like a balloon you know and that's I i remember seeing this movie in theaters and like seeing the joe grizzly death and going oh my god like he is just brutalizing him and that's insane and that's one of the things that i ended up loving about the movie when I first saw it. But it's also the thing I don't like about it now. Because it's like, it makes him Jason. It does kind of make him Jason. And I get that. It was 2007. You know, the post-Saw era. Like, that's what we were all about. But Yeah, just brutality and how how brutal can we make these these killers. Yeah, but Um, the simplicity of the original is just so much better. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you think about too, like you know, 
the superhuman strength. It's like Halloween H two H two O. Like one of my favorite scenes is in the school when they're upstairs and uh, Michael is holding on to like a pipe. They don't see him when they walk by, but then when he lowers himself down with the one arm, mm-hmm. and you're just like, holy shit, the fucking arm strength yeah. it would take to slowly lower yourself down with one arm <laughs> is like, that's like doing a one-armed pull-up. Like, how yeah. the fuck can you possibly do that? <laughs> and he's and not, not underhanded, but the other way, that's so much harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not like... He wasn't Tyler Main size. He wasn't over like it wasn't some big hulkish fi- uh, figure. It was just a normal size Myers yeah. with insane strength. Um, so, um, what was what, uh, what was your number four? Did you um, do it already? Or? My, I don't think I even said my three. My four actually was the brutal violence, which I kind of forgot about until I looked down at my list and went, "Oh yeah, I did kind of like that." It's I, I do like it. You know, like I said, the the Joe Grizzly death is probably one of my favorite ones. And even the Annie not death. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel for her. And when her dad comes up on her and, you know, sees what's been done to her. And when Lori yeah. finds her and is, you know, trying to get help. Like, there's, it is a much more visceral thing that yeah. gives you that emotional, like, oh my god, they're hurting than the original mm-hmm. where everything's in the shadows quick done mm-hmm. and no and one really even instant. knows what happened until Lori finds everybody yeah everything happens in an instant too like 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 you said annie doesn't exact exactly die yeah and so like it's not like she's in like she's in pain struggling like it's not just oh you know they're choked out they're done it's over mm-hmm. like you get to kind of live through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, it is brutal. So m- we're on number four. Um, my f- my number four, and we keep talking about it. it. It's come up several times, but my favorite scene in the movie is the bathroom fight with Joe Grizzly. Like as soon I as he pulls that. up, yeah. Oh, well, and it's not even so much. It's the way that it was shot. And the thing that I love about this movie that, like, dialogue aside, I love the way Rob Zombie makes a movie. Mm-hmm. He definitely like, learned from corpses and rejects. and Yeah, and this was a big budget movie. Like, this was $15 million in 2007 to make it. Yeah. Um, but, like, even, like, if you gave Rob Zombie a movie that he didn't write, like his his dialogue doesn't always bother me, but there's always just sprinkled in excess. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like there's people, a lewdness like, to it, even in like I haven't seen Reject yet, but watching Corpses and as great as Sid Haig is, like there are things that he says where you just go, "Wait, what?" Yeah, or like when you do watch the Rejects and it, uh, they're you know the tutti fucking fruity. Like you'll you'll get it when you watch it, but yeah. like. It's almost like we like we always talk about this. Like Rob Zombie horror movies are like like Kevin Smith and his his movies that he does. Like mm-hmm. you can listen to the dialogue and listen to how they talk and you're like, "Oh, this is a Kevin Smith movie for sure." Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with Rob Zombie. They're just on different ends of the spectrum and not even so much because um Kevin Smith has done some I wouldn't say horror 
but definitely non-comedies. Yeah, well... If you want to call them that. <laughs> yeah, I would... I'd put Red State in horror. I haven't seen Tusk, well, but I would... I mean, that's kind of creature body horror. It Yeah, I... I love those movies, dude. Red State's fucking awesome. Yeah, I like. I, we Tusk. might have to cover it one of these days. I w- I'd love to. Uh, I like Tusk. <clears throat> uh, Yoga Hosers wasn't horrible. Like, I mean, it gets a lot of flack, and I mm-hmm. could see why. But like, it's kind of like with like how Rob Zombie always has his wife in movies. Like it going forward, like Kevin Smith is always going to have his daughter and wife in movies. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and they're very similar in how they do that. And I get it, man. Like if I was a movie maker and I put my daughter in a movie, why not? Well, yeah, I mean the Adam Sandler Fuck it. group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. The happy Madison crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, my but number yeah. four, which well, was my, before you, oh, before you dive into that, like, I know that we kind of kind of have been talking about it a lot, but I honestly think the reason why I like this is because like when okay so Joe Grizzly's taking a big old shit because mm-hmm. of that burrito, as and, you would do in a Rob Zombie movie, right? And then when um, Meyer shows up and he's standing there and he's wearing his hospital getup and he's all dirty because like he, obviously he's been walking forever mm-hmm. and. He gets there and he's just standing in front of the stall and then they show just a little bit of what you can see of his like his eyes, even though you can't see him, and then the hair and the mask and he's just he's standing there and then Joe Grizzly stands up, pulls out his knife, and then he opens the door and then Myers is standing there. But like they're pretty comparable in size. Obviously Maine is is bigger, but height wise they look pretty close in height. And then you just get, like, the way, like, Zombie does, like, that shaky cam. Yeah, that was like, cool. Each time, yeah, each time that he bashes his arm against the, the bathroom stall to knock the knife off, and it's just like, boom, 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 and you're like, holy fuck, okay, is he going to knock this out of his hand or what? Like, yeah. like I kind of would like to have seen a little bit more of a scuffle, given that Joe Grizzly was such a big guy. I was going to say, I mean, he's the one person probably in this movie that could have possibly stopped him before he went on his rampage. And by possibly, that's a real meaty possibly. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like he, yeah, he's definitely the, the only force in this movie that could have even potentially done anything. And I think that's something that's kind of cool about it because it's like he took down him. So these teenage girls and their, you know, douchebag boyfriends are screwed. Yeah. You stand zero chance. Yeah. Uh, What's your number four? Uh, My four, which was my three, is his relationship with Loomis. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, McDowell's great anyway, but... He really was good in this movie, and I, I I do like that Rob Zombie is putting him in a bunch. Like he's in uh, Thirty One. I know that oh, for really? sure. Like I haven't seen I haven't seen Lords of Salem in a while, and if we weren't talking about Rob Zombie so much lately, mm-hmm. I would like to cover Thirty One because it's like a guilty pleasure for me because it's definitely not one of the highest rated movies that he's done like when you tell when you talk about rob zombie movie most people will be like halloween or devil's rejects yeah like those are the two but like i like 31 man it's a fun movie i i love the concept yeah i keep and seeing it on streaming things i think it's on hulu right now and i keep going oh, mm-hmm. maybe 
Is that part of the rejects world that I need to see something else? No, it's not. It's not. So I can watch it without seeing everything else? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I would say watch Devil's Rejects first just because that one it is so good right and honestly like they didn't even have to make three from hell like it literally could have they could have ended it there and you're like oh lee fuck it's just it's perfect for this but yeah 31 it's just like its own little offshoot it's fun okay um but yeah continue i'm sorry (laughs) that's all right i mean it just you know donald pleasance is great but you know, he keeps talking about how much he's a monster, and he's a monster, and mm-hmm. like I said, I you never really see times. it, so he seems like a shitty doctor, really. <laughs> like, he seems like someone who, you know, it was the 70s, so the diagnoses for serial killers didn't really even exist back then, but right, he, he seems like someone who just mishandled his patient, whereas this Loomis... Like, he turns into a piece of shit when he's trying to monetize and get, you know, yeah, rich and, and famous the book off of and all it. that. Yeah, yep. but originally, you can see him trying. Yeah, and that's the perfect, like, McDowell can pull that vibe, he pulls that vibe off so well. Yeah. He really does. I, um, I just kind of had a thought, uh, did you ever watch that show Mindhunters? Uh-uh. Okay, so you should definitely give that a shot. So, I... I I watched season one. Season one was great. I hadn't got into two yet, but it's basically a show that uh, takes place in the 70s where it's basically the FBI starting up the serial killer profiling department, and they have to go and, like, interview serial killers and all that kind of stuff to try to figure out, you know, kind of how their mind works and all that. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, because that takes place in the 70s. Originally, Rob Zombie's, like, this is, like, it's 70s, it feels like. Like, how cool would that have been, like, if, <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm kind of merging universes here, but could you sure. imagine, like, if if that, like, was merged to where it kind of made Myers more, like, a Bundy or, huh? Mindhuntery? Yeah, like, like, that'd be a fun thing, trying yeah. to, because, like, not to get too far off topic, but, like, when you, like, with, uh, with your... With your picks, like that's the one thing that I I do like about this movie too, and that's the t- uh, like the visual deterioration of M- Myers, like how his masks get they just get more and more bleak, and you're like, okay, so it went from this, and we're just on a slippery slope to this guy's making mini Slipknot masks, you know, and well, that was so cool. Like, I mean, seeing his hospital room and all the masks on the wall, and he's always wearing a mask, and he's trying to hide his face. I mean, it's a little hokey. I don't don't even get that hokey vibe, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I can kind of see where you're going with that. The only time I really think it's kind of awkward is when he's doing it in the beginning with uh, his mom, and he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm wearing the mask because I'm ugly and stuff like that. It's like, that's a little too self-aware yeah. for someone who doesn't register Care. what he's done and why yeah i'll give you that that's a good that's a good that's a good pull there but it's still uh, an awesome idea and it makes it gives him wearing a mask in the first place a purpose 
Yeah. I, if anything, I would say the hokiest part is the is the way that he even comes across the Myers mask to begin with, is because Judith boy, Judith's boyfriend is like, "Hey, can I wear this while I do you?" Yeah. Like, He's what just is the this skeeziest, easy? grossest guy I think I've ever seen with one of the hottest chicks. Like. <laughs> Well, it, it reminds me of Eastbound and Down, and I, I know you've not seen that show, no. um, but it's Danny McBride, his character, Kenny Powers, and he he's a real skeezy kind of guy, right? And mm. one of the lines from the first season is he's staying with his brother and his wife and kids, and he's calling like an escort service, and he's trying to negotiate on the phone with one of the the ladies and he's like now would it be possible to do you from behind while i'm wearing a ghost face mask <laughs> and it's just like like completely off topic i know but that's what it made me think of when you're like that whole i'm gonna wear this mask like who wears like i mean hey if that's your thing yeah. more power to you it's it, it's not mine so it doesn't really click with me like i get people th- different strokes for different folks i i sure. like every like people are into whatever they are but like i'm gonna wear a myers mask while i'm intimate with my significant other or whatever i don't get it but listening to Danny McBride trying to barter with a company, being like, hey, how much would it cost for me to be able to do this? <laughs> like, I could ridiculous. see that guy doing that when he, if he oh, were to man. have gotten older. Yeah. Um, leading into my number five, um, and it's kind of a double take because I had a real hard time watching this movie. And like I said, keeping it at just five because... I could literally, I could probably find 10 things about this movie I like, yeah. uh, but trying to narrow it down. So, and it, it, it does kind of become, there are some beats in this movie that are straight up from the original, um, maybe done a tad different. So like my number five is stalking Lori in broad daylight. So mm-hmm. when Lori's walking home and I even had to rewind it to make sure I saw it right was, her walking down the street and then it kind of pans through a tree and then you see him walking down the street for like two seconds and then it goes back to her and then he's gone. So like this dude is straight up walking behind her in broad daylight, assuming it's Halloween, kind of like, you know, the original with him standing outside or, you know, hiding in the bushes. But this dude's just walking down the street behind her. Mm Mm-hmm no fucks given at all like it's like i'm huge what are you gonna do but then like as i was going through the movie another stock scene popped up and this one i i like it even more than that but it kind of ties into it it's when um uh what's her Lindsay, the little girl Lindsay, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's sitting on the couch watching the th- watching the thing, which I believe, which is what I think it is, which is what they were watching in the original Halloween. Yeah. Um, and she's sitting there watching it because, yeah, it's the same. It's even the same scene, I believe. And she's sitting there watching it, and then Michael is just standing behind her. Yeah, that watching one's the creepy. movie, watching the movie as well. 
And it's like, for this guy being as big as he is, he is quiet. Yeah. To sneak up behind a child and watch TV with her, and then when someone comes walking in the room, he's gone. Like... Yeah, that's a that's up there for one of my favorite moments because it does add this real unsettling. Like he's obviously not going to kill the kid, mm-hmm. or is he? I he kills know, a kid he in the just... new one. But yeah, but that new kid was. But in the new one, that kid was armed. He had a rifle. That's true. Like he he, I would say he was teenage, maybe early teenage. Yeah. I don't but remember. like, what is like, what is Lindsay Wall like? like he seemed young, she? but I was getting, I'm old now, so everyone seems younger than me. <laughs> Goddamn kids! What's your number five? My number five is the very ending when Laurie shoots Michael in the head and screams, and then the music picks up, and you see the old family photo. Yeah, that's a good one. It's intense. <laughs> yeah, like- I mean, it's just. It was a brutal movie, but to end on that note is just gut punch, holy shit, like that was nuts on another level that the original didn't do. Like Loomis shoots him six times as he screams about at the beginning of two, like four times. I've shot him six times! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen so many memes of that too. Like the Bob Ross one I did? Yeah, 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 that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, that's really good too. Like I like the use of the um the home video. It's the same thing when um when Michael's mom when she shoots herself in the head and she's watching old photos or old videos of how it used to be. Mm-hmm. And you're like, god damn, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, you just feel bad for her because she, I mean, she was with a douchebag guy who treated her like shit. Her yeah. daughter was kind of a biatch. And she had this and, and baby died, girl who died. was just innocent and in the middle of everything. And ba- then her son goes apeshit and kills them all. Yeah. Just... Like, that would, that would be hard to have to deal with. Yeah. And so that there is our breakdown of the original versus remake. Yep. Hands down, I've, I'll always go original. It It's my number one. Yeah. Um it would take a whole lot to dethrone that and they've tried uh, and have not succeeded but i will give props to some of the things that uh zombie did in the remake to try to modernize it and make it more than what it was and i can't hate on them for that there's a lot of things that you can hate on for it but i i give the dude props for his attempt to try to do that because i mean that's that's a ballsy ass move being like hey i'm gonna remake halloween biggest classic in horror ever yeah slasher horror anyway Uh and so yeah that that covers that um let's go ahead and dive into john carpenter real quick um we went longer on that than i thought we were going to not that it's halloween we always go long on halloween I don't mean to. I'm sorry. <laughs> Part of it was my fault. I I went off too. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that's what we do. We that's why we do this. We like to talk about it and the best yeah. thing about it is like we take bullet point notes, but nothing about this is scripted other than our my fucking ripping off Wikipedia for information. Like we I just it's like my favorite thing about the show is just riffing 
for an hour, hour or an hour and a half to two hours of things that I love. Yeah. So, <clears throat> oh man, my beer is almost gone. Oh, so, man. John Howard Carpenter, born January 16th, 1948, is an American film director, producer, screenwriter, and composer. Although Carpenter has worked with various film genres, he is associated most uh, most commonly with horror, action, and science fiction films of the 70s and 80s. Most films of Carpenter's career were initially uh, initially commercial and critical failures, with the notable exceptions of Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, and Starman. Um, however, most of Carpenter's films from the 70s and 80s have come to be considered cult classics. And as he ha- has been acknowledged as an influential filmmaker, the cult classics that Carpenter has directed included Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, The Thing, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, he returned to the Halloween franchise as both a composer and executive producer for the Halloween sequel, um, or horror sequel, Halloween 2018. Carpenter composed and co uh, he composed and co-composed most of the film's music, and he won a Saturn Award for Best Music for the film Vampires. Um, yeah, in I just saw that on Amazon Prime. I was like, I didn't know he did a vampire movie. Yeah, it's not bad. It's James Woods. Yeah, I saw that too. I'm like, I like him sometimes. <laughs> when he's not a <laughs> so jerk. Bad. Yeah. In real yeah, life. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> You like not to get political. Yeah. Um, J- uh, Carpenter has released three studio albums titled Lost Themes in 2015, yeah. Lost Themes 2 in 2016, and Anthology Movie Themes 1974 to 1998. This is the reason why I want a fucking record player because I want to <laughs> listen to these movies on or these movies. I want to listen to these on vinyl. Yeah. You have to. <clears throat> Well, and that's the thing, like, like these classic horror themes, and that's why, like, I really want to, like, collect horror soundtracks on vinyl, because there's just something about the crackly old feel of a vinyl that just adds a layer of fucking spooky. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about it on Ready or Not. I mean, yeah, the movie is creepy run, and disturbing run, run. just on the face of it, but when they start playing that old Ready or mm-hmm. Not jingle jingle yeah it's It's so unsettling oh yeah um at the 2019 con film festival the french directors guild god i got the burpee sorry uh carpenter uh the french directors guild presented carpenter with the golden coach award Carros Dior, whatever that, uh, that's a butchery. Um, the Director's Guild described him as a creative genius of raw, fantastic, and spectacular emotions. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, in his early life, um, Carpenter was born on January 16, 1948, in Carthage, New York, the son of Milton Jean Carter and, Ra- and Howard Ralph Carpenter, a music professor. He and his family relocated to Bowling Green, Kentucky during 1953. Uh, He was interested in films from an early age, particularly the westerns of Howard Hawks and John Ford, as well as the 1950s low-budget horror films, such as The Thing from Another World and the high-budget science fiction like Forbidden Planet, and began filming 
horror short films with 8mm film even before starting high school. He attended Western Kentucky University, where his father chaired the music department, then transferred to the University of Southern California School of Cinematic Arts in 1968, but quit to make his first feature film. So, um, there's so much information about what he did in the 60s, the 70s, the 90s, um... So I'll kind of skim through it. So in the 1960s, he began a film course at USC Cinema. He uh, wrote and directed an eight-minute short film called Captain uh, Voyeur. The film was rediscovered in the uh, USC archives in 2011 and uh, proved interesting because it revealed elements that would appear in his later film, Halloween. The next year, he collaborated with uh, producer uh, John Longenecker as co-writer, film editor, and uh, music composer for The Resurrection of Broncho Billy in 1970, which won an Academy Award for the Best Live Action uh, Short Film. The short film was enlarged to 35 millimeter. 60 prints were made, and the film was released theatrically by Universal Studios for two years in the United States and Canada. Um, he did a bunch of stuff in the 70s, obviously. Um, Carpenter's first major film as a director was Dark Star in 1974, and it was a science fiction comedy that he co-wrote with Dan O'Bannon, who later went on to write Alien, uh, borrowing freely from much of Dark Star. You motherfucker. <laughs> um, let me take a drink here real quick. Victory sip, as it were. Yeah, victory set. The film reportedly only cost only cost sixty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy four, um, <laughs> and was difficult to make as both Carpenter and O'Bannon completely um, completed the film by multitasking, with Carpenter doing the musical score as well as the writing, producing, and directing, while O'Bannon acted in the film and did special effects, which caught the attention of George Lucas, who hired him to work with the special effects team for uh, the film star wars hmm, that little independent number yeah right carpenter received praise for his ability to make low budget films he then wor- went on to work on assault on precinct 13 in 1976 um and then he yeah he so much holy shit so <laughs> 1978 was a commercial success and helped de- and helped develop the uh, slasher genre originally an idea suggested by producer Erwin Yablans titled The Babysitter Murders who thought of a film about babysitters being menaced by a stalker Carpenter took the idea and another suggester from Yablans that it occurred that it occurred during Halloween and developed a story Carpenter said the basic concept, Halloween Night, uh, said of the basic concept, Halloween Night, um, it has never been uh, uh, the theme, it has never been the theme in a film. My idea, my idea was to do an old haunted house film. Um, film director Bob Clark suggested in an interview in 2005 that Carpenter had asked him for his own ideas for a sequel to his uh, 1974 film, Black Christmas. That feature an unseen and um, motiveless uh, killer murdering students in a university university sorority house. Um, As also stated in a 2009 documentary, uh, Clark World, Carpenter directly asked Clark about his thoughts on developing the anonymous slasher in Black Christmas. He said, 
I did a film about three years later. Um, I'm going to turn this light off. It's hurt my eyes. I uh, started a film with John Carpenter. It was his first film for Warner Brothers, which picked up Black Christmas. He asked me if I ever was going to do a sequel, and I said no. I thought it was... I, I was through with horror. I didn't come into the business just to do horror. He said, well, what would you do if you had to do a sequel? I said, it would be the next year and a guy would actually have been caught, escape from a mental institution, go back to the house, and they would have to start all over again. And I would call it Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. The truth is... The truth is, John didn't uh, copy Black Christmas. He wrote a script, directed it, and did the casting. Halloween is his movie. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Halloween is his movie, and besides, the script came to him um came to him already titled anyway he liked black christmas and may have been influenced by it but no way did john carpenter copy the idea 15 other people at the time thought to do a movie called halloween but uh the script came to john with the title on it um he had continued commercial success in the 80s like with the movie the fog um which was a ghostly tale of revenge co-written by hill inspired by horror comics such as tales from the crypt and the crawling eye um, Carpenter immediately followed up the fog with the science fiction adventure Escape from New York, um, featuring several actors that Carpenter had collaborated with already. Uh, Donald Pleasance, Adrian Barbeau, Tom Atkins, Charles Cyphers, uh, Frank Doubleday. Um, he'd continue on uh, into the 90s. The commercial declined and Halloween H2O. He then came out of... Uh, semi-retirement 2011 did ghost of mars which isn't horrible but it isn't good <laughs> Fair um but yeah so talking about the the technique so uh, john carpenter's films are characterized by minimalist lighting and photography static cameras uh use a steady cam and distinctive synthesized scores usually self-composed with the exception of someone's watching me Elvis, The Thing, Starman, and Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Um, excuse me, hold on here. Uh, sorry, these lightings are hurting my eyes here. Um, um, he all he has scored all of uh, his own films, uh, though some are collaborations. Most famously, the themes for Halloween and Assault on Precinct Thirteen. His music is. <coughs> excuse me. His music is generally synthesized with accompaniment from piano and atmospherics. Carpenter is an outspoken proponent proponent of widescreen filming, and all of his theatrical films, with the exception exception of Dark Star and The Ward, were filmed with anamorphic with an anamorphic uh, were filmed anamorphic with a two point three five to one or greater aspect ratio. The Ward was filmed in Super Thirty Five. The first time Carpenter's ever used that system, and he stated that he feels that 35 Panavision anamorphic format is the best movie system there is, and prefers it to both digital and 3D film. So, we'll get into his personal life a little bit, then his legacy, and then we'll just call it good, because there's just so much to talk about this guy. Sure. Um, so John Carpenter met his future wife, actress Adrienne Barbeau, on the set of his 1978 television film, Someone's Watching Me. Um, Carpenter was married to Barbeau from January 1, 1979 to 1984. 
During their marriage, Barbo starred in The Fog and also appeared in Escape from New York. The couple had a son, John Howard Jr., born May 7, 1984, nicknamed Cody, to avoid confusion with his father. <clears throat> I'm trying to think because that name sounds familiar. I'm trying to think what else she was in. Um, yeah, I'm, it, it rings a bell for me, too. Yeah, because I, I feel like we've talked about her name a, a bunch. Oh, holy shit. Who would have known? I didn't even know this. So, not to get off topic too much, <clears throat> but she was in The Fog, Escape from New York, Creep Show, and Swamp Thing, and then other films, Back to School, and Argo. And then during the 1990s, she became known for providing the voice of Catwoman on Batman the Animated Series from 1992 to 1995. Nice. Well, and we just holy did Creep Show, so that's why the name sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Sorry, I got something caught up here. Um... Carpenter has been uh, married to producer Sandy King since 1990. King produced Carpenter's later films in the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Vampires, and Ghost of Mars. She earlier had been the script supervisor for his films Starman, Big Trouble, Prince of Darkness, and They Live. On They Live, on they Live she was also associate producer. She co-created the comic book series Asylum, with which Carpenter is involved. He appeared on an episode of Animal Planet's Animal Icons titled It Came From Japan, where he discussed his love and admiration for the original film, God's, or the original Godzilla film. Carpenter is also known for, as, a, as an, god damn it. Word your heart, it's Carpenter, I know they are. Carpenter, uh, Carpenter is also known, is also a known supporter of video games as a media and art form and has a particular liking for Sonic he Sonic the Hedgehog and Fear hmm. franchises, even offering himself as a spokesman for helping direct the cinematics for Fear 3. He has also expressed an interest in making a film based on Dead Space. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking rad. Brandon just wet his pants. I peed. Um, do you know anything about Dead Space? Just the title. Yep. Okay, I'll show you. So Carpenter holds a commercial pilot's license. Oh, don't fly planes. <laughs> uh, it just made me think of when Harrison Ford crashed his plane into a golf course. <laughs> um, flying rotorcraft helicopters. Um, he has included helicopters in his films many times doing a cameo as a pilot. <clears throat> he is also an atheist. So many of Carpenter's films have been re-released on DVD as special editions with numer numerous bonus features, which I know you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Examples of such are the collector's editions of Halloween, Escape from New York, Christine, The Thing, Assault on Precinct 13, Big Trouble, and The Fog. Some were reissued with new anamorphic widescreen transfer. In the UK, several of Carpenter's films have been released on DVD with audio com uh, commentary by Carpenter and his actors. Um, holy shit. They live with actor wrestler Roddy Piper, Starman with Jeff Bridges, and Prince of Darkness with actor Peter Jason. John Carpenter has been the subject of the documentary film John Carpenter, The Man and His Movies, and Cinema, uh, Cinema Thetics? Cinema, Cinema, yeah, I don't know, Cinematics? A 2002 retrospective of his films. Moreover, during 2006, the United States Library of Congress deemed Halloween to be culturally significant and selected it for preservation in the National Film Registry. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, um, get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my fucking throat. I was like, yeah. Come on, During 2010, writer and actor Mark Gattis, Gattis, that's another name that's popped up it's before. Gattis. Gattis. Oh, that's right, because he did Dracula. Um, that's why I recognize the name, because we covered hmm. him not that long ago in our super popular episode of Netflix's Dracula. Hmm. Um, so, in, uh, during 2010, uh, writer and actor Mark Gaddis in, interviewed Carpenter about his career in films for his BBC documentary, A History of Horror. Uh, Carpenter appears in all three episodes of the series. He was also interviewed by Robert Rodriguez for his The Director's Chair series on the El Rey Network. And there's been countless names of filmmakers that have been influenced by John Carpenter, including... And let me take a drink for this. Fair enough. Mm. All right. James Cameron, Quentin Tarantino, Guillermo del Toro, Robert Rodriguez, James Wan, Edgar Wright, Danny Boyle, Nicholas um, Winding Riffin, Adam Wingard, Neil Marshall, Michael Doherty, Ben Wheatley, Jeff Nichols, there's uh, James Gunn, Mike Flanagan, the Duffer Brothers, fucking uh, David Sandberg, James DeMonico, Adam Green... Keith Gordon, there's so many names. Yeah, and they all make sense. I mean, when you were talking about his love of Panavision, it made me think of Hateful Eight from Tarantino. Oh, the Duffer Brothers did uh, Stranger Things, which is so (laughs) Halloween-y. Yeah, and I'm surprised we have nobody's asked us to do that either. Well, Uh, season four will be out sometime next year, so maybe we'll do it then. I haven't even started season three. I'm so behind. So the video game Dead Space 3 is said to be influenced by Carpenter's The Thing, The Fog, and Halloween. And Carpenter has stated that he would be enthusiastic to adapt that series into a feature film. Specific films influenced by Carpenter's includes Sean S. Cunningham's Friday the 13th, ripped off, Mm -hmm. which was inspired by the success of Halloween. Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, which was heavily influenced by The Thing. Wingard's The Guest, which was inspired by Michael Myers and influenced by Halloween 3 Season of the Witch's music. Hmm. Uh, Nicholas's Midnight Special, which is said to have used Starman as a reference point, and Kren's Blood Glacier, which is said to be an homage to or recreation of the thing. Hans Zimmer has also cited uh, Carpenter as an influence on his compositions. The 2016 film The Void is considered by many uh, critics and fans to be heavily heavily introduced by several of Carpenter's films. His legacy also includes his unrealized products or projects, and he has a fucking list of films. So Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine Starman, Big Trouble. Prince of Darkness, They Live, Memoirs of, of an Invisible Man, In the Mouth of Madness, uh, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., uh, Vampires, Ghost of Mars, and The Ward, which uh, from 1974 to 2010, uh, there's a list of all of his collaborations, discographies, just so much. <laughs> John Carpenter's a legend. And he's and that's everywhere. Where we'll call, and he's everywhere. Um, and the, not to mention... He, he's he been active since 1969, but the man's got a list of other names that he goes by. Hmm. 
So he uh, is also known as Frank Armitage, John T. Chance, Rip Hate, Martin Quarter, uh, Quartermass, the Horror Master, and the Master of Horror. Not to be pretentious, but those are definitely two titles. <laughs> well, Aaron. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So that there is the John Carpenter in like a 20 minute nutshell. I did my best to condense. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he's still doing stuff. He's still going strong and it's insane. Just even in one movie, how much he influenced the genre. Oh yeah. I'd love for him. I know he came back and did the score and stuff for the new Halloween, but it would have been so cool if they had found a way to talk him into doing like a Wes Craven's new nightmare kind of thing. Oh, making a meta style? Just making an updated, like, new take on Michael Myers, you know, 20-some-odd years later. Like, if he had actually done H2O, and it had been good. Oh, okay, yeah. I got you. Obviously, I'd be on board for that 100%. Yeah. So that there is our original versus remake, Halloween 1978 versus 2007's Rob Zombie's Halloween, and then a directorial spotlight on the John Carpenter. And I've been talking a lot. You've been talking a lot. We'll call it here. Um, How about you, before we get out of here, let us know what your next pick is, because you took the wind out of my sails a little (laughs) bit on this one. So let let us know. Well, the thing is, is that we've become so in sync not the backstreet boys that we essentially had hey, the same idea backstreet to... boys over in sync I'm, I'm i'm drawing a line in the sand <laughs> but uh <laughs> we you know we've talked a while back brandon teased the idea of doing a zombie movie before he picked doing something completely not a zombie movie that we need to start <laughs> doing different genres we that we yet. haven't covered and uh, we both decided for some reason that we need to go into ghost stories and ghost movies he went one way which i fully appreciate but i decided my next pick is poltergeist and let's be honest we're trying to see because so when you do a podcast generally your first episode is the one that's most listened to that's the one that's gonna try you're gonna try to hook people with that Mm -hmm. you want them to come back and listen to the uh, second episode, that definitely isn't the case with if you <laughs> if, with our with our analytics and our second on the verge of first most listened to episode is Amityville Horror, and so Justin, don't listen to him. He's trying to chase. He's chasing numbers. That too. <laughs> I know. I'm you know, d- this month has made me really think. Like, I want to start switching it up, doing new stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about the idea of making seasons out of this and kind of having themes. And if we are to maybe consider this a new season, like I, I, mm-hmm. this month has kind of inspired me to start breaking out of the box a little bit. Yeah, I dig that. So, um, Poltergeist next you. episode in two weeks. Yep, I can't wait. So, yeah, this is the last of our October, our Halloween fun zone here so yeah this next episode will drop november 8th so it's going to be kind of weird to have a little bit of a break in here because as much as i i push just i'm like dude let's do weekly mm-hmm. and then we start doing weekly and i'm like i don't have fucking time <laughs> to do weekly and i'm like 
like it's almost easier to do bi-weekly and record twice than it is to try to yeah. <laughs> like i want to do more episode i want to put out more content for you guys but it is difficult mm-hmm. so and that was another thing i wrote down uh, for another idea for episodes were to do um movie mistakes which i have done before on a, a friend of mine's podcast but like just doing a whole like take a chunk of movies or whatever and just talk about the goofs and mistakes and maybe of a franchise or something. Yeah, I was gonna like, say we could do a franchise as a whole and talk about the talk six about different H2O. masks and H two O and <laughs> And so Alright, so until November eighth, when you will find us again, um you can reach us on pod, on podcast. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at uh, Pod and Gore Podcast. Uh, we got the page. We got the group. Come hang out, talk horror with us. We would love that. Um, you can email us at podandgore@gmail.com. It's been a long time since we got an email from anybody other than our T Public rep. <laughs> but like, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at gore underscore pod. We are on the slasher app at Pod and Gore Podcast, but instead of spaces, they're underscores. Um, where the f else can you reach us? That's about it, I believe. I think so. But uh, and Facebook's um, probably our most active place. And I'm trying to be more active on the Slasher app too, because honestly, we have been getting re- uh, like friend requests up the wazoo nice. as of late. Like I believe that we are creeping up on I think 1,600 friends now, almost. Yeah. So we're surpassing so, the Facebooks. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's the thing. Yeah, it's definitely surpassed. It's just, um, yeah, come talk to us. We'd love to hang out with you. Um, so that's all I got. Anything you want to you wanna do before we get out? Nope, just thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. And that, yeah, 100%. Um, so, I, yep, thank you. Um, I've been your host, Brandon. And I've been Justin. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>